tonight, John chapter 19. As we keep walking through the Gospel of John again, I, I couldn't have planned it this way if I would have tried uh, on my best day to plan this where it works out, uh, that we're right in line with uh, the Easter uh, story uh, in, uh, in the Gospel. Uh, we're going to be picking up in uh, verse 28 today, uh, and uh, we, uh, we pick up uh, in verse 28, and one of the things, let me just insert here, uh, is that uh, John, uh, for whatever reason, uh, does not include uh, in his story, uh, in his narrative, he doesn't include uh, something that Matthew and Mark uh, include Matthew and Mark both include uh, that uh, from noon to three uh, on the day of the crucifixion that uh, that darkness uh, came over the land. John, uh, for whatever reason, uh, in uh, his writing and each one of these uh, authors, let me say, because something uh, may be in Matthew that is not in John or Luke or uh, one of the other Gospels, um, because it's not in one Gospel or another, uh, doesn't mean that it d- isn't valid. Uh, what it means is is that it. Uh, each gospel writer wrote for a specific purpose. For example, uh, Mark wrote uh, particularly uh, to the Roman mind. Uh, And so he didn't include a lot of Jewish stuff because the Romans wouldn't have cared. Uh, Not only would they have not cared, it would have caused them uh, in all likelihood to have not read it. Uh, Mark uh, again writes, and if you ever read Mark, it's, I mean, it's boom, boom, boom. It's uh, just, I mean, it's one event after another real quickly. Uh, And again, to the Roman mind, the Romans were very active. This uh, appealed to them. And so each author uh, writes for a uh, a different purpose uh, as led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if all four of them wrote the exact same thing, we wouldn't need but one of them. Uh, and then the other thing is that uh, if we go out in the parking lot and there's a wreck uh, in front of the, the church as we leave this morning, uh, and we all sit down to write what uh, our account of what we saw, uh, we'd all have a different version uh, of the accident. All of them would be correct. Uh, it'd just be what you saw from where you were standing. Uh, And so each one of the gospel writers uh, writes from their perspective for their purpose. And so John doesn't include uh, this piece about uh, the darkness from uh, midnight, uh, uh, from lunch, from noon till three. Uh, but he picks up here uh, in verse uh, 28. We're going to look as Christ is now actually uh, on the cross. And uh, we're going to look at, uh, as he hangs there on the cross, some of the things uh, that take place there uh, in uh, in this passage that show us uh, of the the, the greatness uh, and uh, and the mercy uh, of of Christ. Uh, Beginning in verse 28, it says uh, that Jesus, uh, now knowing that all these things were finished or were fulfilled, uh, except uh, one thing. He said, uh, I thirst. Uh, and uh, we, we see that, uh, that passage. And uh, again, this is uh, one of those passages that, uh, that honestly, uh, I, I don't know how much uh, we 
today look at that uh, with all that was going on on the cross. There were a, there were a lot of things going on there. Uh, there were a lot of things taking place uh, in and around the crucifixion. And, uh, and I would say, I mentioned a while ago, Mark writing to the Romans, uh, that the American mind in particular is kind of uh, the same way. We're, uh, don't bother me with a lot of details. Let's get on to, you know, let, let, get on with the story. And, uh, and so we kind of uh, tend, I think, to, uh, to move past this little statement of, uh, of I thirst and, uh, and don't really think about the magnitude uh, of that statement and the implication uh, of, uh, of that statement. But when Jesus says, uh, I thirst, there, there is a, uh, a, a huge underlying lesson there that, uh, that it's important for us uh, to notice. And it's, it's really, uh, we find it more uh, in the fact that it says uh, that there was some scripture left to be fulfilled. And so therefore, Jesus says, I thirst. And, and what that reminds us of uh, as we look at it is uh, the dedication uh, of Jesus uh, in, uh, in this entire uh, event, in this entire, uh, entire uh, crucifixion story. Uh, in spite of uh, his uh, agony, in spite of um, his, uh, the, the torment, and everything that was uh, going on in and around the crucifixion, the beating, the ridicule, uh, the crucifixion itself, in spite of everything uh, that was going on there, uh, we see Jesus hanging there, and he is still dedicated. He is still himself committed to doing and fulfilling everything that the Father had laid out for him to do. Uh, again, we, 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 I mention this often, uh, that one of the things we see in studying the Gospels uh, is how many times we see Jesus say, I came to do the will of the Father. I came to do... The, he, just, he just keeps hammering that point home, his whole earthly ministry. I came to do the will of the Father. Uh, and, and every time he's challenged, every time he's pushed, every time I came to do the will of the Father. Uh, right down uh, to this point, uh, because what we have here is the fulfillment uh, of Scripture. The Bible tells us uh, back uh, in, the, in the Psalms uh, that, uh, that they would offer him uh, vinegar uh, on the cross. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that vinegar in a minute. It's not uh, apple cider vinegar like you buy at the food line. Uh, but uh, they, they, it was fulfilling Scripture, when Jesus says, I thirst, there was one thing left to do. And you'll notice as you look over uh, our text this morning, it says he had the one thing left to do. He said, I thirst. They offer him uh, the vinegar, and then he says, it's finished. It's done now. I have done everything the Father sent me to do. And the, and the lesson for us this morning as we look at that is not about thirst. Well, common sense uh, says he's thirsty. He probably hasn't uh, had anything to eat or drink in, in 24 hours. He's been beaten. He's been abused. He's been uh, hanging on a cross in the sun. Uh, he's been through all that. Surely he thirsts. That's not a great revelation. But what it is, it is a fulfillment of Scripture. When he says that, 
then he says it is finished. And what that tells us and what that reminds us of this morning is that Jesus all the way along was in absolute control of the events that took place. No one took the life of Christ. No one, uh, no one took his life, but he willingly gave his life according to his time schedule, according to his plan. Only after he says, I thirst, does he say it is finished. He could have never said it is finished until they offered him that drink. Because the Old Testament had prophesied all the way down to that little small detail, uh, the crucifixion uh, of Jesus Christ. And so what we have here, uh, and, and some may say, well, what, what, what difference does that really make? Uh, that he gave his life uh, instead of he took, they, they took his life. It makes all the difference in the world. It means that Jesus Christ died for you and I willingly. It means he came and gave his life and willingly paid, that, paid the price for our sin. That's what that means. It means that he, was, he, he did it of his own accord. He did it out of love, that he came and gave his life because he loved you and I. He looked through the corridors of time. He looked through space and time and history, and he saw you. He saw me. He saw our sin and knew that someone had to pay for that sin, and he said, I'll go. That's what that means. That, that, that means that he willingly did that. He willingly uh, paid the price for you and I. That, that he loved us. Uh, again, it goes back uh, to the passage from earlier in the Gospel of John when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Listen, what we have in, in, in those simple words uh, of our thirst we have Him fulfilling the Word of God, which tells us again that He is willingly doing, paying the price for your sin. Uh, it's, a, it's a very poor uh, analogy, but, but some of you I'm certain have heard uh, the story of, uh, of the kingdom where there, was, uh, where there were a lot of crime uh, going on in the kingdom, and the king uh, put out a decree that when the, when the person was caught, uh, they would get 40 lashes. And when they finally caught the culprit, the culprit was the king's own son. And, and the king, uh, everybody wondered what he would do because the king's son was a young man and they knew that, that 40 lashes would in all likelihood kill the young man. And he's, as they brought him in and presented him, presented the evidence, the king said 40 lashes, just as he had decreed. And they got ready and prepared to do the 40 lashes and the king came down off the throne, pulls off the robe and lays himself down over, the king, over his young son and says, go ahead. And he willingly takes the beating that was belonging, rightfully belonging to his son. Listen, one of the things I want to remind you that as we approach the Easter Sunday, as we approach Easter season, and we walk through these next few weeks in this story in the Gospel of John, dealing with the crucifixion, dealing with all the things that took place there, I want to remind you that while Jesus took it, your name belonged in the blank. He did it for you. We see his dedication, his commitment to, to 
always, all the way to the brutal end, do the will of his Father. I'll veer off down off the paved road for just a moment and, and, and take a little side road here and remind us that we talk about being like Jesus. Well, if we're going to be like Jesus, then that means we're obedient to the will of the Father, even down to the smallest detail. Even down to the finest detail. A lot of us today, we're, we're aware uh, of, say, maybe the Ten Commandments. We, we don't murder. Uh, we don't uh, commit adultery. We don't, you know, some of the, what we might label as biggies. You know, I don't know if that's fair or not. You know, little white lies. You know, you know I, I had, I, I've looked. I hadn't found white lie anywhere in here. Just as lie. But, you know, what, what we learn from this model of Jesus, uh, again, I'm veering off the path just a moment here, is that Jesus followed the, it, it down to the smallest dot, cross the I, uh, dot the I, cross the T. Uh, if you ever saw my handwriting, you know why I said cross the I. You can't tell much difference. Dot the I, cross the down to the smallest detail. Jesus says, I'm going to do the will of the Father. Listen, as, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, if I tell you, follow me, we're going to go to the beach, follow me, and I, there, there's, let's say there's 50 turns between here and the beach, and at turn 20, I turn left and you turn right. Are you going to end up at the beach? Maybe. But are you following me? If, if there's 50 turns and you follow me for 49 of them, did you follow me? No. We follow Christ like Christ followed the Father down to the smallest detail. There is nothing in here that is unimportant. There is not, listen, it, it, it's not enough to say I don't kill, I don't steal. Let, let's break it on down to all those places where he talks about, uh, you realize there's a whole lot more said about how we use the tongue, the gossip and the lying and the slandering and the backbiting than there's ever said in here about murder. I don't know about you, I I expect a time or two in, in, in almost uh, 38 years of marriage, Rhonda's contemplated murder. But other than that, I don't know that anybody's ever wanted to murder me. Well, probably. Yeah. I, I have the knack for making people mad enough to think about it. Yeah. If they wouldn't have got caught, you know, um, did she say Amen. Yeah, most of us don't have a real issue with murder. But gossip, slander, backbiting, those things, a little different story. Jesus followed his father down to the smallest detail of saying, I thirst. He gave his life willingly and he gave us an example of what it means to follow God. 
you see his dedication. Not only his dedication, but as we move on in the story, you see his desire. He says, I thirst. Now, most everybody that studies this, spends any time on this, recognizes very quickly something that obviously the audience around the cross didn't understand. When Jesus says, I thirst, it wasn't so much a physical thirst as it was a spiritual thirst. It wasn't so much a physical thirst. I'm certain he was physically thirsty. But everyone that studies this and analyzes this passage understands that, that the, the, the idea here what was that he was, uh, again, the, the emphasis is on fulfilling uh, the Scripture in the book of Psalms um, and showing that Jesus was actually the Messiah because he was fulfilling, uh, again, every line, every uh, act uh, of Scripture showing that He was uh, the promised Messiah uh, as God uh, had promised, uh, that He was carrying the sin of man on His back. All of mankind was riding on Him. Listen, His desire wasn't just simply to say, I'm thirsty. It wasn't just simply to say, someone passed me a water bottle. His desire was, again, to prove, to show who he was and what he was, and, and, and again, the nature of his work and what he was doing there. When, when he says uh, that I thirst, uh, that, that he is carrying, again, the sin uh, of, uh, of all mankind. And to show how little they understood, look at the delivery in verse 29. The Bible says in verse 29, that when he says, I thirst, they reach up to him and he receives vinegar. And again, that's not um, vinegar like you put on your greens. That's not uh, apple house or apple cider, whatever it is, vinegar. White house, apple cider, vinegar, whatever they call that stuff. It was a bitter wine narcotic type of drink to try to ease the pain. See, they didn't understand. All the way to the cross, the people who were gathered didn't comprehend what Jesus was saying and what he was doing. All the way to the crucifixion, all the way to the bitter end, they responded the only way they knew how. The way they had responded countless times before as those victims of crucifixion had cried out for thirst, they responded in the only way they knew how, with the only thing they knew. <coughs> they gave him this vinegar, this, this sour, uh, soured wine, this, uh, this bitter concoction uh, that they had uh, gave him. Even hanging on the cross, the audience failed to see the spiritual and what Jesus Christ was doing. They just didn't get it. You know, unfortunately, I, as, I, as I thought about that passage, and I think about that statement, here's what I, 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 I've realized and, and thought about. Drinking, again, when he says, I thirst, and they offer that, 
He was fulfilling Scripture. This was spiritual, and they were down here somewhere. You know, here's what I realized as I thought about that. Here we are some 2,000 years later, approaching in, in three Sundays, Easter Sunday, and for many people, God help us even in the church, when it comes to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they fail to see the spiritual. We're more concerned, many are more, many even in the church are more concerned about their outfit for Easter, about the candy, the eggs, the ham, the family lunch. Am I the only one that finds it ironic that on the celebration of the resurrection of a Jewish Savior, most families seem to want to eat ham? You ever thought about that? Uh, some of you will get that in a little bit. We're, we're, we get, and we do the same thing at Christmas. You know, we, it gets more attention at Christmas. We talk about people not really celebrating the reason for the season. But the fact of the matter is we do the same thing at the Easter season. We do the same thing year-round. We wear our cross necklaces. We put our cross symbols on our car. We, 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 we throw the symbol around. We talk about But have we really considered the implications of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ for our sin? Have we really put much thought into the fact that that was my cross? Not his. Those were my beatings. Not his. That was my sin. Not his. Listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. And don't nobody bring me any because I don't need them. I love those little robin eggs at Easter. It's the only time of the year you can get them. I love them. I can remember, I, you know, as, as a kid hiding Easter eggs. You know, oh, you know, listen, I, I'm not a, I don't know what, I'm, I'm going to use the only phrase, a footy-duddy, I don't know what the phrase is. You know, some of y'all don't even know what I'm, you know. I, I, don't, I don't have a, I'm not saying don't hide eggs. I'm not saying don't go see the Easter bunny. I'm not saying don't eat your weight and chop well. Maybe you shouldn't, but go ahead. You know, I, you know I, I'm not saying, you know, I, I love those little, don't anybody bring me any of those either. I love those little Cadbury eggs. Make me sick because they're so rich, but I love them. You know, I, you know, I, I got nothing wrong with, with, you know, with you getting a new Easter outfit. Not, nothing wrong with that. Heaven knows I hope somebody gets there and sloops something that doesn't say Carolina on it for a change. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, you know, I, do it, get you a new Easter outfit. That's great. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying don't put up your Christmas tree. I'm not saying don't take your kids to see Santa Claus. I'm not. What I'm saying is let's not let all of those things overshadow Jesus Christ. 
That's exactly what was happening around the cross. They saw everything but Jesus. They saw everything but a Savior. They saw everything but a move of God. Let's pay attention to the spiritual. You see his desire. And finally, you see his declaration. It is finished. It is finished. Again, three little words that by and large, we as the church, we, we know they're part of the Easter story. But I'm not sure we ever really pay much attention to the implication, the lesson of that statement. That Jesus said it is finished. Not Caesar. Not the Pharisees. Not the Sadducees. Not the crowd. Jesus said it is finished. I have done he said for ages, for three years now, I've come to do the will of the Father. On this afternoon, he says, I have done the will of the Father. It is complete. It is done. Don't miss the connection between right there together. I thirst and it is finished. He fulfills the final, the last piece of Scripture, the last prophecy regarding his crucifixion. I thirst. When he receives that vinegar, he bows his head and he gives up the Spirit and says, It is finished. He did what he came to do. We've spent some time now walking through the Gospel of John. I hope you've learned. I hope you, by, by taking a whole book at a, at a time, that you've, you've seen the whole picture. And, and, and I know our tendency. And there's some cool stories in John. There's, there's people being healed. There's, there's lame being made to walk again. There's blind being made to see again. There's dead being brought back to life again. There's hungry being fed. But when Jesus says it is finished, all those other things were just decorations on the tree. He came to die for you and I. He came to die for your sin. And at that point, He says, it is is finished. Salvation is complete. It's done. Let me just take a minute here and I said while I go, I was going down the little side path. Let me let me take another little this is not even a side path. This is a main lane on the main highway. When Jesus says it is finished, that means the work is done. It means salvation is paid for. Salvation is complete. There's nothing you have to do. You can't work. You can't earn. You can't change. You can't beg, borrow, buy, or steal your salvation. It's a free gift paid for by a sacrifice Savior. 
wherever you are this morning, whether you're watching in, online, wherever you are, uh, anywhere around the world, sitting in this room, a good friend of mine, he was telling me he's got a group, I may have told you this, I don't remember, a group from Pakistan that has started watching him uh, online and started corresponding with him. And they sent him a message the other, uh, a few weeks ago, he was telling me that they sent him a message telling him that they were really trying to do good, they were trying to do right because they wanted to, to, they wanted to be able to get into heaven. And he's been corresponding back with them, telling them, listen, you can't do good enough to get into heaven. You can't change enough to get into heaven. There's nothing you can do except accept the free gift that Jesus Christ finished on the cross. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough to offer. It is finished, he says. The work of salvation was done and complete in Jesus Christ. And it is up to us then to accept that gift that he has provided. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Wherever you are today, in this room, online, thank you for joining us. We come to a very serious question. Are we like those that are gathered at the cross who fail to see the spiritual? Who fail to see all that Jesus has done for us and take it for granted? You're here today, you're online with us today, and you say, Jimmy, I know Jesus Christ personally. I know Him as my Savior. I have no doubt. I have no question. Not a moment, not a bit of hesitation in saying that. But are you like Jesus? Are you following the Father all the way down to the details and everything He leads you to do? Can you say this morning, I know I'm doing the will of the Father? If not, can I ask you to drop to your knees right where you are? Come and bow at this altar. Whatever you want to do, sit in your chair, your home, sit in your recliner, and say, Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Help me to do your will. Help me to follow you completely, all the way down to the smallest little detail. But most importantly, you're listening this morning. You're here. And you're trying to earn your way into heaven. You're trying to beg, borrow, buy your way into heaven. You're trying to some way get salvation. There's only one way to get salvation, that's to accept the free gift. Jesus Christ says it's finished, it's done, it's paid for, it's complete. If you don't know Jesus Christ personally, would you step out this morning and come? Let me show you from God's Word how you can be saved today. You're online. Send me an email. Send me a comment, something. 
Reach out to a local church wherever you might be and talk to that pastor. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Will you accept him into your heart? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be here today and worship together. God, I ask you today that you would stir our hearts, speak to our hearts, stir our hearts. God, there are believers in this room, those who would profess Christ. But God, the truth is they're not following the Father. They follow the big things. They haven't killed anybody. They haven't robbed a bank. But God, they're not being obedient in every area of their life. God, convict us. Speak to us. God, for the one that's here this morning, the one that's listening to us online, who doesn't know Christ personally, God, I pray that you'd move in their life. Speak to their heart. Today would be the day that they'd come and ask Jesus into their heart. We'll give the honor for all you do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand together.